everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak, and I have longtime guest and uh, good friend, Josh Treadaway today. Hi, buddy. What's up, guys? How are we doing? You're looking good. You sounding rough. You been yelling a lot lately? I just yeah. woke up a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> we've, we've not had a podcast in quite a while. Actually, I don't even remember the last one. Um, uh, first I Loki, I believe. Did we do the first Loki? First Loki, yeah. Okay. All right. So today just happens to be episode six, the final episode. And uh, I got up kind of early and was able to watch it. And I know you were up late. Uh, did you watch it this morning? I did. All right. Uh, you want to kick it off with thoughts? Just pull the Band-Aid off real fast? Or just we gonna, the, yeah, we're just going to dive right into it. We'll, we'll get the hard one first. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of felt like it was a... Uh, well, first off, I didn't realize it was going to be a continuated series, so that's an, that that was fun. I'm glad yeah. to see that they're going to reboot. Um, but before I saw that in the credits, it made me feel like I did when I saw the end of uh, uh, Quantum Leap. Like, okay, left it left you like, what just happened? Yeah, the character arc of our Loki is really amazing. I agree. I think that we've watched him be the villain. We've watched him sort of in this series in the viewpoint of being the hero of sorts, but also like learning. You see him developing and learning as the show goes on. And I don't know if that has to do with his situation. Like we talked about the shock of seeing those infinity stones as just being trinkets in that guy's office. That's what I remember talking to you about. Yeah. Um, Or it could be the fact that Mobius is kind of putting him in a position of going, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm just an office worker, but like, you're no big deal. I know you're a God on your world, but (laughs) you're not there. I think part of it was that, but I think it was the vulnerability he showed when he realized that he was in love with Sylvie. Yeah. I didn't think he was expecting to fall for anybody at all ever, except for himself, which is kind of ironic that his ego would let him fall for himself. You know, but also like, <clears throat> so let, let, let's gear up to this episode. Last episode, we saw him meet, I don't know, 50 variants of himself. <laughs> and there was a great battle royale of them all like undermining each other to take control of the Loki world that we'll call it the the end of time where Eliath is gobbling up anything and everything of any kind of substance of energy or mass. And here's their moment. Like you hear them say, why, why are we here? Well, Hokies are hard to kill. Okay. Well, all right. So be it. But here you have all these variants of Lokis that are here and yet they're all vying for power and they're all saying, I'm the one in charge. I undermined him. I'm in charge. And then, you know, alligator Loki just rips one dude's arm off and <laughs> he rips his hand off. Just, he's like, ah, you know, he's got a nub, which I found hilarious. Um, but also classic Loki was very interesting in the fact that that he talked about his story arc and his version of his own reality of saying yeah when i fought thanos like i hid and i made a i made a i I lived your life but at that time at that moment i hid and i made a projection of myself to make him think that he killed me and then i just drifted in space forever until i landed on a planet and i was living out my days there just reflecting on how much pain and anguish i'd caused and and then he sort of has that moment of saying, but then I, I, like I missed my brother and I missed people and 
So I, I decided to turn it around and that's when the TVA caught me. And he has like this older version of perspective that I think kind of helped our present Loki understand a little bit of what his position is and what he wanted truly. Um, well, right. Well, on top of that, I mean, his final words were glorious purpose. I mean, he, right. got, he got to actually fulfill glorious purpose. Yeah. Cause he kept thinking about glorious purpose, which is the, the name of the first episode. Um, you know, Loki thought he was doing all this for some big grand scheme, but he really wasn't sure what that scheme was. You hear him talk to Sylvia about that. Like, what is your plans? And she's like, I don't know. And he, and he asked her, he said, do you want to figure it out together? And so you see still in him a little uncertainty, but yet we see classic Loki at the moment that they need him to, to save them in a way he's able to harness all of his magic and create a grand oh, yeah. city of, I guess it's where he's from. I mean, did he create Asgard behind him? But like, maybe it's in the classic style. So everything has a green tinge to it. So it's like maybe his version of what Asgard was. I don't know. But so he sees Sylvie and Loki touch hands and he, and he, he, he sees that and he he tells her, he says, I think we're more powerful than we know. And she, she's like, you know, he's like, I don't know how to do what you do. And she goes, I told you how. She goes, you know how to do it because I know how to do it. And right, suddenly everybody. it dawns on him, oh, like all of these things that we can all do, we can all do it. We just have to figure out how. And so at that moment, he had to believe in himself. But I think he believed in her more than he believed in himself up to that one second to where suddenly they're able to charm Eliath and open up the gate to the final realm, which is very, you know, Wizard of Oz-ish. You know, let's let's see the man behind the curtain. I am the great and powerful Oz. And then we then we get to meet the final boss level guy. And he just looks like a dude. He I don't know if you recognize him or not, but he he's the guy from uh, Lovecraft Country. That's I, I knew the face was familiar, but I could not tell where I remembered him from. So I watched YouTube videos this morning after the episode to realize that um, you know all through the episode they call him uh, He Who Remains because he's supposed to be at the end of time and they, they never give him a name per se. They just, they keep referring to him and himself. He keeps referring to himself as he remains. And I looked it up and there's YouTube videos where he's supposed to be the bad guy in the new Ant-Man movie, uh, the quantum realm. Okay. And there is imagery that they show in some videos of the quantum realm looking like whenever he's down to that little, microscopic, you know, itemized size, that quantum realm that he gets stuck in for a long time. There's images of that, that they blur together to look like images of what this guy, he who remains lives in where it's all pixelated and starry and crazy. And, and you see, you can see sort of a timeline. And, and so it, it, it taps into that question of your judgment of the size and scope of time and space itself because we put perception on things that we can see and touch and feel. And we, we claim that this is the standard. And yet we don't know, like well, Ant-Man should show us that. I mean, well, we don't know the size and scale. I saw something and maybe I'm, maybe I, maybe I read it wrong, but uh, I thought I saw something that um, in the, the last Ant-Man, when they went, when, when they went into the quantum realm, mm -hmm. um, they did like a time travel thing past something and they showed like, like a freeze frame. Mm -hmm. TVA was over there in the corner, Ooh. like in the itty bitty little city. And it looked like the TVA city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very interesting. And I think we're going to tie that together. The, the crazy part is, is like, 
I looked it up online because uh, because Black Widow came out uh, this past week, and I looked it up online mm-hmm. just to see the order. And I think it's the twenty fourth or twenty fifth movie in the saga. And so, if someone were to like, you know, go wait, wait, so what's this deal with Loki? You go, all right, we got to go back a long way because <laughs> because you're talking about just hours and hours of entertainment, and this is almost turning into something that is in a way cultish almost like star wars is for a lot of people the marvel universe has sort of turned into that for a lot of people much more in depth much more much much yeah more content much more in depth yeah yeah well we're talking about you know what almost 100 years of of comic books you know in the very first captain america came out in the 40s i mean we're we're 80 years in of, of material that just builds on each other and builds on each other and so anyway we get to meet he who is nameless and or he who remains, I should say, he who's nameless he is Voldemort. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the actor's name is uh, Jonathan. Uh, I can't read my own writing. Majors, yeah, Majors Jonathan. Majors. Jonathan Majors. Majors, yeah. So he's going to play a character called Kang the Conqueror, K A N G the Conqueror in Ant Man Three, and I think that that's going to spin off from this guy because in this episode we see him confront Sylvie and Loki and tell them, you know, this is it. This is the end of it. Like I, I know everything that's supposed to happen up to this moment. And this moment happens and he sort of has this epiphany moment where he's looking around and he's like, wow, this is all new to me. Like I, I'm excited. And they're like, what, what do you mean? And he goes, well, this is it. Like you've reached the end, all the lies, all the deception, everything. This is all maintained just so I can keep the timeline in one straight narrow path so that we don't deviate too crazy. And there's not a multi, a multiverse war. They keep mentioning this multiverse war that's coming or has happened. And that he supposedly was able to maintain a singular timeline for so long because of this ability to harness a and use the TVA for his, for his ability to maintain it. And right, no. now we're going off bat. You know, everything's just chaos because he tells him, Hey, you know, you can, I, like, I want you to take over. You guys have the ability. You're young. You, you're, you're energetic. And I love the fact that he was able to use whatever that thing was on his arm to project a storyline and just tell them in a brief ability of, this is what it started out as. I was just a scientist on earth and I came up with this idea and I was able to open up a, a, a portal to another multiverse and meet another me and we got to share ideas and we got to make the world a better place. He goes, but not all of us are good. Some of us wanted domination and were cruel. And so it became an all out war because of this. And he sort of tells you that he started the thing that screwed it all up. And now he's got to somehow fix it. And he can't, he's like, you you have no idea how old I am and how many millions of years I've been through this. And he's like, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm really done. If you kill me, I mean, this is going to, this all stops and the chaos happens and you're going to have a multidimensional war and, you know. I'll be back later. I'll be back later. There'll be another version of me that'll they'll step right in here, but it'll be different. It won't be me, but it'll be another me. Well, that's the point I wanted to make. Did you notice at the end of this? It, it, obviously, you noticed it, but at the end, right before the credits, when uh, Loki was looking out, it wasn't the three timekeepers. It was just him. Mm-hmm. The statue was only him. Not only that, but when he, when Loki was, when Sylvie pushed him into a, a what do you recall that thing? In the time portal. The time portal. When she pushes him into the time portal back to the TVA, he goes to find Mobius and the and the agent, the 
T90 or whatever she's called. And uh, right away, you know, he's like, he's telling them everything, man, this is all, you know, this is this and this and this and this. And they're like, hey, calm down. You know, you work in analytics, right? Like he's in a different time zone and a timeline altogether right, right. then. And it suddenly dawns on him and he, he takes a moment, looks around. And like you said, that now the timekeepers is just this guy, Kang. We'll just call him Kang. So <clears throat> Kang really doesn't roll off the tongue. I wish it was something like easier to say, like Jimmy or <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy the Conqueror. That'd be funny. You know, <laughs> all fear, the all powerful Jimmy. <laughs> if it was written today, it probably would be something like that. Well, but- the fact that it's following a timeline that's been written long before. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of YouTube videos out there that show a lot of the little hidden Easter eggs that are in each episode of Loki. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend there's one called uh, emergency. It's called emergency obscure or emergency. God, I wish I, I wrote it down. Uh, I'll, I'll find it and I'll tag it in here. Um, this guy goes into depth like nobody ever seen. And he's able to break down little things in the background and show you like what this number means. Cause it's from this episode where this character yep. was invented. And this, this timeline tells you that, that frog Thor was a thing. Yeah. The, the little <laughs> frog Thor that was in the uh, jar as you're going down the hole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this crazy different storyline and scenario. And you're like, what frog Thor? That's so, but I mean, you got alligator Loki. Why not? Right. Yeah, well, I mean, they, you know, they, they, uh, there's all kinds of like, you know, Easter egg things like that. I mean, that was like uh, in WandaVision, you remember the, uh, the um, license plate on the car? Yeah. Was Stan Lee's birthday, mm-hmm. his actual birth date. Yeah. And then on the movie theater marquee, it was like the episode that, that Lagatha was, was introduced. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I like the little Easter eggs along the way. I mean, and I love the fact that they just keep layering it. Like at this end of time part where Eliath is supposedly gobbling up all these things, the battleship that appears was this USS, I think it's uh, Enterprise or not Enterprise. It was something else, Endeavor. But it has to do yeah. with the Philadelphia experience where back you know years ago they were trying... We've got a visitor. Sorry. Dogs are barking. They got a neighbor's pulling into the yard. They're going crazy. The puppy podcast. Um, (laughs) um, so there is this, they use this battleship from supposedly this battleship that they tried to use a cloaking type stuff on to make it invisible to the Russians back in, you know, the cold war and this ship apparently went missing. And so there was reports of when it started to go invisible, that there was a green shine to everything. So it just kind of folded into this story of them using this battleship to be inputted here. Like the, maybe the TVA got rid of it, you know, it's just sort of a fun little thing, but also they like they paused it in different sections and showed like the landscape behind all the Loki's working together um, with, you know, old Loki, kid Loki and our Loki. And, you know, there's like the Sphinx in the background in one scene there's uh, a helicopter that says Thanos on it from some mm-hmm. comic that where Thanos rode in a helicopter. Uh, there's a uh, uh, a building instead of it saying um, a, a, a Stark star. Enterprises, it says you know, um, is it Kang? Q Q U E N G, but it was it was with Q. Um, <clears throat> and then there's like other things along the way. There's some kind of spaceship that belongs to somebody. There's there's a moment where it's got the, you know, the big battleship from 
from um, Avengers. Um, there's lots of stuff like crashed in the background that's just placed here and there. And it's sort of to give you the idea that the TVA has been putting things here for a very long time from past, present, and future. And so... Well, it's 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 definitely it's definitely obvious that the people who are writing this are fans, yeah, like super fans, yeah. And they're writing they're writing the show for everybody, but they're putting in those Easter eggs for those other super fans. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I'm so glad that they did the Loki series because I mean, for what WandaVision was, it took a long time for me to get involved in WandaVision. I mean, it took what, four or five episodes for me to go, oh, it okay. Fourth, it was the fourth episode. Yeah. Whereas Loki, minute one, you're just like, <laughs> all right, where's my snacks? This is going to be good. <laughs> now they did six episodes, but I mean, from the get-go, it was like, oh, this is great. But the special effects, man, I mean, they have dumped, they dumped a budget into the last two episodes. I mean, a big budget. And it was really impressive. Um, I love the actors that are in it. I love the... Um, What's her name? Plays Sylvie. Uh, Sophia DiMartino. Excellent. Apparently they contacted her while she was pregnant to play the part because she, she had tried out for it before she got pregnant. And she was like, actually, I'm having a baby soon. And then she had the baby and like three weeks later, she was filming. But oh, wow. she apparently, like they wanted her. She was the part. She she measured up to be the, the character all around. And uh, apparently her and uh, Tom Hiddleston like hit it off right away. And And she says that he talked to her a lot about the character and about way, different ways she could play it that would be, you know, in line with what a Loki should be, but that she could put her own spin on it. And she said, she said that they would talk all the time. And she says, normally in movies, you don't hang out as often as that, but because they're trying to play the same character, like they would eat lunch together, they would eat dinner together. They would just, anytime they had a second to pull aside and go, so this character like is going to do this, then we're going to do that. And then then how do you think they would feel about it? How do you think they would act with it? And you could tell like there had to be a lot of communication in this and probably writing on the fly too, especially when you had the scene with all of the Lokis interacting and fighting with each other. I mean, just that, just that fight scene alone with all of them, you know, going at each other is just crazy. Well, the fact that every one of them didn't realize that each one of them was trying to double cross the other one. Yeah. But then you've got the three that well, I guess it's technically the four Lokis that are somewhat more advanced and they're the ones that he found. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the kid Loki apparently is going to come up in a young Avengers show or series. There's going to be a young Avengers, either movie or or series. Um, And then apparently the classic Yoki, the classic Loki was such a hit that they're talking about doing a spinoff show with him which I would watch because <laughs> I dug this character a lot. <laughs> and I love the yeah. fact that he was talking about like even a little conversation about daggers. And he was like, eh, I mean, it's just a knife at the end of the day. It just slows you down from using your magic, which is the real power. And I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> he, he def- he, I mean, he definitely was the conjurer of, the, of, of, of all of them. I mean that. Oh yeah. He had, he had had time to practice his, his magic and get much better. Yeah. Which I remember, I remember the episode where he popped out, you know, at the end of the end credits and you see him for the first time. My first thought was, is that like one of those retro comic book outfits? Like they're going to somehow have him. And then that's exactly what they did. I was like, oh, that's, that's really smart. You know, I know he probably felt silly putting on the green tights and the, <laughs> and the yellow spandex underwear, but he was, it, it was great. It was a great part. Oh, it was, a, it was a perfect classic Loki from a comic book look. Yeah. Yeah. 
So listen, um, I was able to use the magic fire stick to watch uh, Black Widow. Um, I've watched it Monday night. Same thing. Yeah. So let's 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 talk about Black Widow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we got we got uh, you know Scarjo coming back once again to kick butt. Uh, we d- we get to see a flashback a little bit of her youth. Uh, this ties into sort of that Americans TV show that I was watching, mm-hmm. where you know the Russian agents were sent the to Russian. America to pose as Americans and have a normal American life while they were doing missions and trying to figure out you know how they could manipulate and get into the American system and and undermine it from underneath. But we get to see them right away her and a little girl, which, you know, you're like, Oh, those sisters. Okay. They're, they're playing together, but they're also doing something extra. Like even the opening scene where she comes around the corner and she whistles to her and they have like a return whistle. It's like her, her unsaid thing of, Hey, it's me and her replying. Yeah, I'm here. And it's good. Like, like just sort of a, oh, yeah. a non-verbal. Oh, they, were, they were definitely trained. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a learned response. They, they, they were, they were being groomed to become super agents themselves. Well, and I kind of get the picture that maybe in, in, from the moment we start watching the show with her as a kid, that she may have already been to the red room at this point because yeah, she, she had, she had martial arts training and like, you get to see that kind of bust out right away whenever they go to take her sister away. Right. Well, we, whenever, whenever uh, mom gets shot and she starts talking to her in Russian. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, she's already been to the red room, but the 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 the, the baby sister had not. Right, and also like it, it took much later in the show. Spoilers if nobody's watched it yet. If you haven't, just skip this part. But you know, you find out later in the show that they're not actually they're her parents, even though they were their parents in the beginning of the show. You find out later that they all had a jobs to do, and they were they were sort of brought into the system because of who they were genetically and and what they could do. And it was all being puppeteered by this mad general scientist guy. Uh, wrote his name down. Where is it at? General Drakoff. That's a good bad guy name. Drakoff. Good, good Russian bad guy name. Yes. I know, right? D R E Y K O V. Drakoff. But he seemed very non-threatening. Well, no, because he felt overly confident that he had control of all of his widows because of this pheromone thing that he had. Now. In this, I mean, we get to see a lot of kick butt action. We get to see a lot of Scar Joe and all of her stunt doubles uh, kicking major butt. Uh, lots of Black Widows, if you want to call them that, all Widows. I don't know if you all call them Black Widows, but all Widows. Uh, basically being programmed to carry out, you know, heinous events, um, murdering people around the world and creating chaos and doing whatever he wants them to do. He can puppet master them from his little layer in the clouds, which is very interesting. Uh, but we get to see a fun side of it also with David Harbor, which is the plays their dad, uh, the red guardian. I didn't realize he was like my age. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was born a month before me, but, but he's, you know, most, most people know him from stranger things as being hopper. And in this, I guess he plays Russia's version of captain America who had the super soldier serum and was Russia's version of that. And I, I did not look into it enough to know if he had his own comics and his own storyline and everything else, but he probably does. I mean, let's face it. They don't, they don't miss out on these kind of beats. If there's a character they can draw on, they go, Hey, let's bring this character into it and we'll do it. This storyline and da, 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 da. So there's a lot of funny moments between him and the girls and him and his wife, Rachel Weiss. Um, well, Here's the thing you were talking about earlier, how they weren't really a family, you know, they were kind of put together. 
But the thing is, they became a family. They became a family. Yeah. And, and the, the the young daughter couldn't accept that and didn't say it because all she's because she was so young when they got separated. Right. The moment and and I, and I got picked on about it because I actually teared up a moment when he started singing "Bye Bye Miss American Pie" to her, and she realized at that point that he actually did love her. Yeah. I thought it was a very strong moment, and yes, I teared up a moment, and they laughed yeah. at me, but I didn't care. It was a great moment. They're all haters, and you don't need friends like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I, I I teared up a little bit, and I would also pick on you. So I'm, I'm a hypocrite is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I didn't expect, as the story unwound, I did not expect Rachel Wise to be the one who was the scientist who was who could created this. Um. Very interesting, the interaction between her and the pigs that she was training and could oh, yeah. control with a little iPad. I was like, holy crap. But but like all of this goes into the idea of this is sort of what the government wants all along is they want soldiers who don't have remorse. They'll follow orders to the T. I mean, because you have some soldiers that are just top-notch people that can do tremendous things, but they're humans and they're flawed and they have emotions. And sometimes they don't want to carry out the mission. And sometimes they have regrets and they... They have suicidal moments where they get, you know, super into what they've done and, and, and has so much remorse, they just can't stand to live. And so, I mean, we learned about during the seventies, they used LSD on a lot of uh, soldiers to try and rewire their brains to not have regret of the things they've done. Um, well, we, like we talked about before, and it's hard to do, but we yet again can make a comparison to Star Wars it's, or yeah. it's six. Yeah. So troopers were very good, but they, they had that failure. I mean, you see the world now where we're trying to integrate more and more droids to do our job where we have, you know, drones making strikes. There's people flying them, but for how long? At what point are we going to autonomize that? You know, if you're going to have, you know, people on the ground doing missions and you go, okay, at what point are we going to have bots just doing the mission? You know, at what point are we going to have machines walking in there and saying, all right, we're, we're going to just mow this line of people down with automated machines? And there is something in science fiction that always replicates things in life that makes us look back at it and go, okay, is this a forewarning of things to come? Or is this a, hey, we can see it coming and there's nothing we can do about it, but here's a version of it that's going to catch people's fancy. We have to find a way to keep processes into human hands to fear of AI control. Uh, hence the movie AI, uh, that episode of um, Death, Love, and Robots when the, the the robots took over and tried to kill the old lady. You know, there always has to be a way. So we, you know, it's like the three, the three, the law, the law of three. Yeah. You know, those they they got broken, and when the law of three got broken, then it was utter chaos. And yep. so, I mean, it's it's something that I do believe that AI can get to the point where yes, we're getting to a point where AI is getting a little bit more smarter than it needs to be. And I don't think we're quite to the point where robots are ready to kill people yet, but we're heading toward that. Yeah. So, so they, they weren't trying to use um, weaponized military robots. There always has to be a way to make sure that the human has control. Yeah. So let's, let's finish out the black widow here and just talk about the fact that a uh, lot of action, a lot of kick butt stuff. Uh, we get introduced to Florence Pew, 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 GH, Pew, Pew, I guess that's how I pronounce it. Um, there's a lot of discussion over the fact that Scar Joe is getting older and 
maybe this Florence Pugh is going to take over the role of Black Widow coming up. Uh, we do get to see an end credit scene at the end of the movie where she's met with the lady who's supposedly working for the Hydra, the new version of Hydra. And she's recruiting her to do the job of, hey, this is the person that's responsible for your sister's death and shows them Hawkeye, you know, and it's like, ah, oh. now, now she's going to come after him. And like, she doesn't know the whole story. It's going to be this weird story arc. But you see them recruiting people to take over in this new group of, you know, renegade bad guy sort of anti-hero people. Well, it, it's going to be the same as like what they did with... Uh, um, Suicide Squad? Yeah, basically yeah. same idea. They're they're going to put together a group of you know wild, kind of kind of not so good mercenaries. Yeah, to try so, to overall like, if I have to give a score on these two things that we watched, okay, uh, Loki, Loki, straight up five points, five stars, two all thumbs of them. up, yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think uh, I think Loki is now the standard that people have to shoot for. Um, WandaVision was good, but I think that Loki blew WandaVision out of the water. I'm going to say only because WandaVision took so slow to get to it. Yeah. And I think we lost a lot of people on WandaVision to start. And so they didn't get in, involved in it as quick. Like you said, Loki, you got pulled in immediately. I mm-hmm. mean, as soon as they open that drawer and you see freaking, you know, infinity stones and they're using them as, you know, paperweights you were drawn in immediately. And that was like you say, cause that was the moment that I knew that Loki realized he was, he was nothing. He was insignificant. Oh, and I also looked up today. Um, the woman that's voicing Miss Minutes. Uh-huh. She is a voice actress, um, named Tara Strong. She does the voice of lots of other animated characters like, uh, Tommy Pickles on the Rugrats Okay. And the so a couple of the Powerpuff Girls. I think she does Buttercup's voice on the Powerpuff Girls, and she does um, the Raven on Teen Titans. Okay, and that's where things. She's from. got lots of these voices she does, and I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, I just I, I got in this wormhole of her doing voices, and I was like, "This is great." <laughs> she does uh, the the Fairly Odd Parents. She's one of the voices on the Fairly Odd Parents. Just fantastic voice actress. But uh, I think we're going to see her in season two. I don't think we're just oh, going to listen to her. I think we're going to see her. Nowhere. Yeah. I think we're going to actually physically see her, not not just the little orange thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I think she's going to make a presence. And also, back to go back to, to Loki and, and the, the, the double thumbs up five star rating, uh, we're not done with Ravona Ravenclaw. She no, is, she wouldn't even find her free will. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to see a glimpse of her where she started at Roosevelt High School. That's why but, she had the pin. So she still had some memory. But there's imagery that I saw on you on YouTube videos of her in like full battle armor and flight suit. And I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> I just want I just want Mobius to get his jet ski at the end of this. <laughs> oh, he's got to have the jet ski. At some point, he has to be on a jet ski. Like, they're gonna they're gonna have some in battle scene where he hops on a jet ski and we're all gonna be in a theater going, yes! <laughs> go, buddy, go. <laughs> What you can also see by using this Loki with the whole concept of the multiverse and the and the the the, the, the um, time like uh, war that they're preparing for something really big with this whole Marvel next uh, multiverse series well, stuff. 
and there's also the story that this is what's going to bring in the X-Men from Fox because Disney bought Fox. This multiverse of madness is what's supposed to bring in the X-Men into the storyline as well. And this may be what brings in Deadpool. Okay. Because supposedly one of the versions of Loki is the reason that Deadpool knows that he's in a comic book. Oh, okay. Did not know that. (laughs) So Ryan Reynolds apparently put out a Deadpool like YouTube home vlog video where he's sitting down talking about uh, his new movie that's coming out as Ryan Reynolds. And he's like, look at this guy, this Ryan Reynolds guy. A lot of people say it's me. It's not. That guy is a loser. He's trying to be me right now. He's trying to be Deadpool. Look at him. He's talking about it. It looks like he's in like his man cave at his house and he's just, he's just ripping on this guy. Yeah. Apparently he's got a new movie coming out. And buddy was telling me about last night that I can't remember the name of it right this minute. It's like fan guy or something like that. Yeah. Where he's indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't realize it, but he's indestructible. And then the, he's also, uh, he's doing, like the movie was done by Tito Watiki, who did several of the episodes of The Avengers. And, right. you know, so he's supposed to be doing the Deadpool and he did this movie. And he's he's also the rock guy in in the Avengers whenever they're in Ragnarok. So he's in full rock gear out, you know, and they're sitting side by side and he's talking to him. He's like, what do you think about this? He's like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like him. He's kind of funny in a weird way. I don't know. <laughs> That's what that's that's actually the, that that that's what he's talking about. He was talking about that 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 interview and that he saw a picture of the two of them together. But they're ripping comments on the fact that you know, oh, foxes just throw out anything now. Well, you know, they got bought by Disney Plus. Like they're ripping on Disney Plus. They're ripping on Fox. They're ripping on the fact that you know they'll throw away they'll throw Ryan Reynolds and anything nowadays and just like they're picking fun at each other. They're picking like like they they comment about each other as as people and as actors and directors and like yeah, I heard he did this one thing one time. You know, it's like. It's, it's a funny little skit, but also it's like, oh, they're kind of poking fun at the fact that they keep pushing other projects ahead of the next Deadpool movie. And he's like, I'm ready. Let's do this. Like, he's like, I'm, what are we waiting for? <laughs> they're waiting to see how they're going to do it. I mean, that, I think that's really what it is. Like I said, oh, yeah. As you're discussing the fact of, you know, hello, uh, mom? Probably, probably a work text. Oh. The whole thing that you're talking about, like them bringing maybe Deadpool in with the multiverse, they're probably trying to figure out where the best place to bring him in as. Yeah. I, mean, I know. I think the next one is uh, Doctor Strange. No, the next one is uh, the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings, yeah. Which I watched a video on today. Um, it looks interesting, uh, but that's going to fold into Doctor Strange, multiverse, and, and the multiverse, and then that's going to be. That's when we're going to get the Spider-Man. And that's supposed to be opening up all the craziness after that. So I got to go back. I have to do homework. I have to go back and I have to watch Venom. Okay. Because there's going to be something with Venom in this as well. And they're also working on a Venom too. And, you know, it's, there's so much to consume. Holy crap. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, like you were saying, like if someone said, oh, I want to get involved, you might as well, you might as well forget like three years of your life. Well, I listened to a podcast the other day and uh, this guy was asking this girl, and he's like, you know, have you ever watched any of these movies? And she goes, no, I don't like the make them ups. He was like, what? She goes, all that fake stuff with this and that and the other. I don't, I don't like that. He was like, really? He goes, all right, well, let's just scrap all this. And he threw a, he threw paper out of the thing. He's like, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, so let's let's pivot for just a second. Richard Branson went to space this week. Yes. <clears throat> What? 
Well, uh, there's two, there's two, there's two <laughs> thoughts on that one, in my opinion. My first thought was, wow, that's really awesome. Yeah. And then my second thought was, that money could have really helped a lot of like, you know, starving families and kids and Yeah, but he, did, he doesn't have much time left. So, so imagine... Are we about to have a contact? Are we about to have a contact? Is that what it is? He's going to be flying around in a jet and bringing Jodie Foster up to let her meet aliens. Okay, so Jeff Bezos is also trying to go to space, and he's supposed to do it, I think, it's supposed to be nine days after Richard Branson, he's scheduled to go to space with his own rocket-type ship. Right. Now, Richard Branson's ship was more like a... A like, plane, like a giant plane that held a space shuttle type thing under it, and then when they got to a certain elevation right. above where the gravity wouldn't hurt its propulsion, the rocket was unleashed and it took off and went sixty-five miles above the Earth's surface. Now they got to experience weightlessness for I don't know how long, and then come down. As a kid, you got to imagine he's an elderly guy now. He probably grew up with the space race and the idea of one day going to space. And here he is this moment, just a regular civilian. He didn't have to go into military. He didn't have NASA's approval. Went to space because he made a success and had money. And he's like, I'm in space now. But also he's doing this so that he said, so that people can go to space and see what it's like. And, and, and maybe it'll inspire somebody. Maybe there's a kid right now who sees that and goes, I want to go to space. All right. Well, do you do you remember the uh, Star Trek First Contact? I mean, I watched it. I don't remember it, but okay. Basically, it I'll was. I'll probably remember guy, it when you drive me there. Guy built guy built a uh, a spacecraft. Okay. And he flew, and he was able to re, uh, reach warp speed for the first time ever. And that was when first contact was made because that's when Spock's father came down, and yeah. they they met. We're basically one step away from that. Yeah. Somebody's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like, you know, there's probably, there's probably is people out there right now that, that are already flying. There's a, you know, they've got the technology. They're above their head years and years and years above us. And once they see people hit, you know, that level where it's not, you know, NASA, but it's just the average person like Branson or, Bezos or whatever case may be. I mean, it may not be in our lifetime, but it, that's that's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that first, that first person that does that that ends up making that you know first warp speed jump, and then it shows the rest of the you know universe. Hey, they're ready to be contacted. Yeah, well, it's crazy, and it's also inspiring in a lot of ways. And like you said, it's also a waste of money in a lot of ways if you look at the fact that a lot of people could use that money towards helping a lot of other things, but. There comes a, I think there comes a point in life where you have to go helping certain people is not helping anyone overall. Now in the Marine Corps, we were taught that you're only as strong as your weakest link, which is true. If one person falters, it kind of can have an effect on the entire team or the entire battle. But also there is a moment where you push forward no matter what, and you tend to leave people behind. And I know this sounds harsh for people listening right now, but they're going to go, we shouldn't leave people. Yeah, you shouldn't, but you're going to. It's going to happen. We're going to as people. It's it's natural. I mean, whenever we had explorers, you know, finding the new world, I'm sure they left people behind in the process. We're like, hey, man, we we got a mission. 
and people probably freaked out and jumped off the boat and committed suicide and stuff like that along the way. And there's probably people that made the trip one time and went, yeah, I'm, I'm not going on that boat again, but you have to have that momentum of going forward because it's, it's sort of in our DNA to explore and to achieve and to try to do the next thing. But also it is a thing to now invest in because it's going to be a huge freaking hit. Well, yeah, it's going to make a lot of people, a lot of money. But it also, if you, I mean, it's generations, generations, generations down the road, but I mean, there's eventually going to be possibly a colony on the moon. Yeah. You know, and because, I mean, we all know that a lot of things are going on in this world. People are worried about natural resources running out, overpopulation. You know, it's... Well, there's not exactly like there's resources on the moon for us either. It's, well, no. But it, but it should be it should be the stepping point of us saying, I want to go towards something else. You know, I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about the fact that our space travel is really limited by our gravity and the gravity of the things around us and how gravity really affects everything that we do. But if you can get into a point of zero gravity then the use of thrusters can speed you up exponentially because there's no, there's no drag. There's no wind. There's nothing to slow you down. When you don't have those things around, it is really just you. But also there's a lot of things we don't know that are out there that can hurt us. So right. we don't see a lot of that in movies of just debris that could come by or asteroid belts that we happen to travel through just ripping things to shreds because it's there. And we just happen to be there when it was there. I mean, that's, That'd make a lot of movies really short of, yeah, we're going to go on this grand mission. Oh no. (laughs) Well, it's only five minutes. Wow. I don't know if I like this movie. (laughs) Now, given credit, George Lucas did kind of give us a little bit of an idea of that with an asteroid belt and I'm coming out of warp orbit into an asteroid belt. Yes, he did that. Um, But for the large part, I don't think anybody really fathoms the vastness of space and the things that we don't know. And also, just how we talked about watching Loki, we think about things perceiving them as a size and scope relative to us when it may not even be relative to us. It may be like men in black, maybe inside little tiny yeah. marbles inside of somebody's locker or, or bag that are playing marbles with. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's, it, I think it's more along the lines of people don't want to accept their, 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 their there's insignificance in the history or, or, or the, or the, or the, the uh, vastness of universe. So do you think overall, like a hundred years from now, they're going to look back at, 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 at Richard Branson going to space and going, well, that was the beginning of us like venturing out, like as people, not just as, not just as the government. We're, yes. going, to look, we're going to look back at this as the moment where we go, huh, he did it. That was the moment. That was the moment we were like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's really achieve to do more. Let's maybe that's, maybe that's the spark of the next imagination or the mech, the next push or the next, drive for some kid who now because we all have the internet we can learn at an exponential rate we can yeah the, we can, the, we can the, figure the, this out the next branson takes it to another level he, right. he, he yeah i mean like i said it's not in our, it's, it's probably not going to happen in our lifetime maybe but yeah i i i, I think i think, think about that is, think about it was basically 100 years ago that cars were being mass produced for the first time and here yeah. we are so Technology has grown exponentially quicker. Every time something new gets invented, the next invention is just right behind it. So it makes me wonder at the accelerated rate at what we'll get to in our lifetime. Because we may be, I mean, <clears throat> when this is all said and done, we may be in what's considered our own golden age of, man, can you believe 
We had Tupac and Biggie and space travel all in the same life. <laughs> <laughs> we had George Lucas and Star Wars and, and Marvel, the Marvel Universe. And Marvel we, had, Universe. we had supercomputers that we used to hold in our hands. Now we don't have to use hands, you know. <laughs> just blinking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There's somebody cues in right there. They're like, is he having a seizure? <laughs> we, we, we eventually, we, 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 we eventually uh, evolved from having mouths and we just, you know, have computers. A little in our eye. link. Yeah. 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 Kind of like, so. kind of like, kind of like uh, Jordy. Yeah. Jordy LaForge with the air filter on his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, let's. Uh, I know we got to wrap this up. Yeah, you it's, got, getting, uh, it's, getting, it's getting close to that time. You got to go be a grown up. Um, well, I'm glad you were able to do this. I know it's been hard because we've both been working crazy hours, but uh, it's good to see you. And good um, to see you too, brother. Also, a um, little side note if anybody's interested, Cuba right now is having a revolution where the people are fed up with uh, communism after 65 years and they are. Uh, they are protesting, and it is it is really interesting to watch. So, go check out social media to see Cuba reclaim their own rights as for freedom for themselves. It's pretty inspiring. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. So anyway, I'm a big dork. I love it. <laughs> I love you, hard hands. I love you too, brother. <laughs> Take care. And uh, everybody, if you'd enjoyed this, please uh, let us know. Uh, Check out the website, uh, www.stuffaheard.com. And as always, remember to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, and cue with the cow.